Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Pockets Full Soup. I'm your host, Jared Petty. I'm joined today by... Happy. Happy. Uh, <laughs> happy D. Yes, Happy D. D is in delightful? Y- yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Happy, what is the D for? Happy D artist. Um, it's an initial of my last name, which I don't give out um, in Ooh. public. Yeah. <laughs> you have a secret last name? It's a very secret last name. Well, Only my friends know it. Yes. So you are, you are Happy D artist. D, yes. Happy something D. Do you have a middle name? No, oh, I do wow. not. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> All right, so so you are, you are you the first guest we've ever had with a mysterious last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and happy D artist. Uh, <laughs> what do you do? Well, um, oh, take a wild guess. I'm an artist. <laughs> okay, and we're surrounded by some of your work here, right? Yes, now? yes, um, yeah. So I do primarily oil paintings and um, occasionally illustrations, and it's all traditional medium. And um, I. I share my work online and I sell my work online and I have a YouTube channel as well and a Patreon. So I guess I'm an eclectic mix of different revenue streams of being an artist. So, oh, and we yeah. met uh, we met at a Patreon event, actually, yes, right? That yeah. Originally. Um, but you're, you're supported by Patreon. What's your Patreon, Happy? Um, my Patreon username is Happy D Artist, okay. uh, just one word. And um, basically, I share a lot of videos that give you like a glimpse into my creative process. So a lot of time lapses, um, occasionally some tutorials. I do like work in progress photos, color mixing tutorials. I do like a coloring contest. So it's a very interactive way for me to engage with like the art community. And you do some of that on YouTube as well. Yes. So yeah, I actually started my YouTube first and then uh, my boyfriend who actually met one of the Patreon employees told me like, hey, there's this thing called Patreon. You should check it out. It's a really good segue from YouTube. So um, I gave it a shot and it's been awesome. And your, your videos are wonderful. You're teaching people techniques and you do, you do you call it traditional medium. So yes. that means uh, you're not doing digital art. You're, no. Okay. Yeah. I, I dabbled in it for a year or so, but um, I really like to get my hands dirty. I think like even evolutionarily speaking, um, our hands are the way they are because we're supposed to be working with them and, and touching things and making things. So I get a lot of satisfaction from working with my hands and these behind you these ladies they called them i believe you called them uh, when i came in your weird girls <laughs> yeah my weird girls <laughs> uh can you tell us a little more about your weird girls <laughs> yeah so my my primary subject that i like to create art around is women um but i like to add a little edge to them um i don't ever want my paintings to look like a replica of a photograph or like a fashion you know shoot i like to add a little bit of storytelling elements and make them almost like eerie a little mysterious and so yeah they end up looking kind of weird my mom calls them weird girls so. and that's where you got that from <laughs> yeah so well, how do you instill that uncanniness what's what's a technique you use to to make a what would otherwise be a more photographic representation mm-hmm. into something more uncanny how do you do that Well, I'm greatly inspired by just surrealism. Um, And what I like to do is try to put the girls in a world that's like maybe like an alternate universe or somewhere where there's no gravity, there's no boundaries that are set by physics or logic or, you know, conventional society standards. So I like to give them like almost a space where anything is achievable, anything is possible. So when I put my my mind into that space too. Um, It helps me create very weird kind of unexpected ideas. And that's how I give them that kind of surreal touch. Who are some of the people who influenced your style? Oh, okay. Well, I have, I love James Jean and um, I love Mark Ryden. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark Ryden is always dubbed as like the father of pop surrealism, which is the genre that I guess if you were to label my art, it would be um, pop surrealism. And uh, James Jean, a very talented artist from uh, Taiwan, actually. Well, he's Taiwanese American. Um, he influenced me a lot even growing up because I was also Asian American. And just having that kind of role model really like influenced me deeply. And like both of, both of these artists, their work is very, very... Um, I can't even describe it. It's like really hard to use mm-hmm. <laughs> words to describe them, but they, they transplant you into a world and make you feel things that are not even in the spectrum of normal human emotions. And that's what I really like about their work is they kind of make you feel like you're in another dimension. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. So yeah. we're going to move forward into uh, what we, you know, the first question that's kind of standard for every guest mm-hmm. uh, until I decide to change it up. <laughs> so happy. Um, tell me about somebody you're thankful for. Um, hands down, the person I'm most thankful for is my mom. Oh, okay, yeah. your mother. Yeah. 
What's your mom's name? So my mom's name is Lily. Lily. Lily right. D. <laughs> Lily D. Lily D of the mysterious last name. Of the mysterious D family. Okay. So so Lily the mysterious D. Yeah. Um, but that's not. Is that her? Is that her? Um, her uh, maiden name? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Lily is her English name. So we're all uh, Chinese, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So my English name is Happy. Her English name is Lily. Oh, I was actually talking um, about the the D. At oh, the end. D. Was that her maiden yes, name? Yes, that's or actually. That... Yeah. So interesting story. Um. Yeah, I have my mom's last name, and in ch- in Chinese culture, it's really standard for children to have the father's last name. Mm-hmm. But uh, my mom, she's very unconventional, and she's very. Um, She's a very strong, independent lady, so she made a deal with my dad that, to be fair, to make it fair, if it was a boy, he would have my dad's last name. If it was a girl, she would have my mom's last name. That way, they have both an equal chance. So I ended up with my mom's last name. So you have your mother's mysterious last name. Yeah, so and my mom and I both have her maiden name. And this is yeah. a deal. She, she she and your dad sat down, and she's like, listen, here, this is how it's going to be? Or yeah. Have yeah. you talked about this discussion <laughs> with her before? Yeah, she told me since I was young because uh, because it's so conventional for children to have their father's last mm-hmm. name. In elementary school in China, people would address me with my father's last name and I wouldn't respond. Like my teachers would call me like first name and last name and then they would use my dad's last name. So I didn't recognize that as them oh, calling wow. me. So I would often get in trouble for like ignoring the teacher when in reality they just assumed I had my dad's last name. Now you said <laughs> elementary school in China. Did mm-hmm. you grow up in China? Uh, yes, I lived in Beijing until I was seven years old. Okay. So I still have actual like memories of, of living there. Yeah. So you were born in China. And yeah, born and raised in Beijing. And yeah. your parents, both also from China? Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, they met there? Yeah, they met, um, I think, well, they met in high school. Even I think my mom was in middle school, maybe, and then they started dating in college. Okay. Yeah. Uh, both from Beijing or outside? No, they, they both lived in um, smaller towns near near ish beijing like in northern china mm-hmm. and um yeah eventually my whole family moved to beijing and I, that's where i was born so uh, you were i didn't realize you had been born in china yeah uh, so you were born <laughs> there you moved over here when you were seven mm-hmm. uh when did you know you were coming to america oh it's so interesting so <laughs> this is a really i'm so glad you asked that because nobody asked me that um i was okay so this is sounds random but i was a huge michael jackson fan since i was like five my dad is like the ultimate Chinese hipster and Michael Jackson actually wasn't even allowed that time in China. It was like during the Cultural Revolution. So his music was seen as like too too like rebellious or too sexy or something. Okay. But he, li- he was a Michael Jackson fan. So I grew up listening to Michael Jackson and I knew Michael Jackson was American. And uh, I was a fan since I was like five. And around when I was seven, my mom told me like, hey, I think we're going to immigrate to the United States. And I really didn't want to go because oh. I had to leave all my friends, my grandparents, every all my extended family was in China. And that's the only world I knew. And I, I loved it there. Um, and then my mom said, but it's okay. Like Michael Jackson lives in America. So if you go to America, you have a higher chance of meeting your like favorite idol. And did this click for you? Did it this worked. Work? That was the one thing that convinced me to go. Because before I was like, I refuse to leave. I'm just going to move to grandma's house and not leave. I'm not, it's like, I'm not leaving. Wait, I might meet Michael Jackson. Yeah. Did you meet Michael Jackson? Never. I'm so oh. bummed. I know. Uh, yeah. I, I wish I I wish I was born 20 years earlier so I would have been able to like go to his concerts and stuff. But okay. Yeah. So this that, that answer leads me to two more questions. First, <laughs> okay. I want to ask about your dad. So you're, at the time, your dad was a Michael Jackson fan. Yes. Um, But Michael Jackson music, not a officially uh yeah. condoned yeah uh, it's a the... very uncommon to like michael jackson in china at okay the time. so yeah. how did your dad get a hold of michael jackson music because this is pre-internet uh we're talking here at least pre-modern yeah. internet oh right? yeah, yeah for sure um my dad's so funny he says like the the music in china during that time is like very soft pop okay like very just romantic songs and it's just like very he says he says it's like music you listen to when you're about to fall asleep. It's like very you know soothing. And then on the radio, um, he was listening to a radio show when he was driving, and this was the first time they ever let Michael Jackson like ever let his music be played. And they played the the Bad album, okay. so the song Bad. Um, and my dad was like, this is unlike anything I've ever heard before. So he said he went out and bought a tape immediately. And then soon after, they kind of limited the Michael Jackson exposure in China. So he was kind of black marketing Michael Jackson music? <laughs> I don't know if it's officially black marketing, but yeah, he was... I don't know anyone else to this day in his generation from China who like even knows who Michael Jackson so is. So that was a really yeah. big deal for, for people your dad's age. Did yeah. he, were you able, like, could you grab music over the internet by then? I mean, did you guys no, have no, access to No, no, he bought do, do like that, a cassette tape. Just cassette yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I no, I mean, I'm sure there was internet, but yeah, yeah like we, 
we didn't have any computers back then. We didn't okay. get our first computer till like 1997 or 98 okay. or something. Yeah. So it had been a r right around the time the internet blew up, Napster yeah. blew up, and all yeah. that happened. So your dad <laughs> hears him on the radio. He's and then then the the the. the the lid slammed down, but he's already gotten his hand on the tape, and he becomes kind of an underground Michael Jackson fan. Mm -hmm. They use this to sell you on America. <laughs> yes. So let me ask you the second question. Uh, you said your mom came to you and yeah. said, "Hey, we're going to move to America." How did that conversation like go? What was that like? You're a, you're seven at this point. Yeah, yeah. So um, so how, how, do you remember the the first conversation, the first time you heard? So I remember initially she said she was going to go for like six months and come back. Mm -hmm. So I was I was okay with. It. I was like, oh yeah, I'll miss you, but you know you're. You're, you're gonna come back so nothing will change everything is status quo and then after six months she was like just kidding we're actually you guys are coming to join me in america so i to this day i'm not sure if she like lied in the beginning so that it, i could get the news in stages or if she was um she actually found out after six months that we should all move so had she already <laughs> come over then yeah so, so by, was on the phone or, or yeah it was on the phone my dad told me um you know in my dad told me for her that we'd be moving wow. forever. <laughs> that must have been very difficult. Yeah, it was. Yeah, when you're young, um, you know, your world is like a bubble. So mm -hmm. feeling like knowing that I'd be going to somewhere completely different and not knowing a anything to expect. It was like very frightening. Why did your mother choose to come to America? Um, to honestly, just to give more opportunities for me and for her family. She was uh, working as a tour guide mm -hmm. before that. And so she, so she was an English major in college. She was okay. very fluent. So she was working with like an American tour company and they had, um, basically Americans who wanted to visit Beijing. She was their tour guide. And over the years working in that company, she met a lot of American, um, like deans of business schools. Um, I think she met an ambassador at the time and some really like, affluent businessmen and and they all said like you should come to america like your english is so good and you have a very vivacious personality and it would bring great opportunities for your children they can go to college in america um you know like they they sold it to her so she she was like in her 30s and decided mid-30s to switch careers no kidding yeah all right. so I, it's very rare that i hear someone described as having a vivacious yeah. personality <laughs> yeah. uh what's Tell me about your mom's vivacious personality. What makes her vivacious? Oh, she's, I mean, she's, so she's, all, everyone who meets her says she has a very youthful spirit. Mm -hmm. um, she's in her 50s, but she, she looks and talks like she's almost in her 20s, I feel like. Like, sometimes when I hang out with her, I feel like we're sisters. Like, she's an older sister. And I'm really? Sister. Yeah. She's just very, like, not just bubbly. Like, she's very funny and she's very charismatic. And she's the type of person that will talk to someone that she just met on the train or something. Like, she can spark up a conversation with strangers. Um, you can throw her in any party and she'll, like, get along with everyone. And um, I think she has a really special way of connecting with people and making people feel comfortable. And, um, she, yeah, she's never been conventional. She's not, like, a wallflower. Okay. And that's why, like, she's very, like, feisty. I uh -huh. like that. <laughs> so you, you're seven years old. You get this news. Your mom's already in America. Mm -hmm. And you say they largely did it because she had a new opportunity to change careers in the middle of life. But yeah. also because you said it represented an opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. Now, moving from China to the United States at the time that you did, can you talk about the differences in opportunity for your life? What would that have been like uh, if you had stayed yeah. versus coming over here? What was weighing in your mother and father's minds? So a lot of it was um, kind of almost like, I wouldn't say they directly thought about capitalism, but just the fact that um, it was at the time, I think I'm not too, I'm not too well versed on Chinese That's okay. politics. So, Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, finding just give finding jobs, yeah, yeah finding just give jobs, finding jobs and getting into college was really competitive, and a lot of it was standardized by the government. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think like at the time for them, it was like you went to college, got a degree, which was already really hard to get into, like a very small percentage, like less than ten percent of people who applied for college could even get in. Okay, um, and then the government would then kind of place you in jobs after you graduate. It was not like it was not like a free market mm -hmm. here. Like there's no small businesses, entrepreneurs was less common, um, especially for like the middle class, like we were in. Mm -hmm. So also um, I think they sold her on um, the colleges in America are really high quality. Like obviously we all knew about Harvard and Yale and like the Ivy leagues, but also just um, the quality of education you would get here. And, and I think it wasn't as competitive. So you had a better chance. Like anyone could get into college. Uh -huh. there, there was a very good chance that if you worked at it, you were going to have, a far 
wider chance. Of yeah, yeah. Okay, so like, if you didn't have the best grades, you could still yeah. get into a relatively good college and still find a good job and mm-hmm. you know grow up with opportunities. Whereas in China at the time, it was like only the top like one percent smartest, highest scoring uh, high school graduates could go to college. That's how they described it to you then. That that that, that was kind of the point of comparison. Um, I mean, they didn't describe it to me then, but yeah, like later on when I got older, they, that's what you learned. Yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, that's that's helpful. <laughs> but at that time, of course, that probably didn't make a lot of sense to you. You yeah, were seven I was years just old. Like, why? I mean, I was like, I was in elementary school. Like, it all seemed the same. Like, yeah. yeah so. so you come over, did you speak English? No, I did not know English. And that's why I have my name, okay. Happy, is because I only knew Happy Birthday. So I was like, oh, Happy can be my name. You chose your name? <laughs> yeah. You cho- your mom, was this your mom and dad's decision to let you choose your name? Or? Uh, I don't think they had a choice. I was very sassy as a kid. And my mom was like, you should have a regular name, like Joanna, or like an actual name name, not a word. She's like, people are going to tease you. Like, that's not a real name. Like, no, <laughs> no one's named Happy. <laughs> One of my favorite children's books um, and, uh, from when I was growing up mm-hmm. uh, was a book called In the Year of the Boar and Jackie Robinson. Uh, which is about a uh, young girl whose family immigrates from China in the 1940s mm-hmm. to New York City. And the girl in that story chooses her Amer- own American oh, name. Oh, what was her name? Uh, she chooses Shirley Temple. So she becomes Ch- Shirley Temple Wong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she chose that name because it was the only American name she knew besides Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. And the, her grandfather... Uh, encouraged her not to be Mickey Mouse. Oh, okay. uh, and so she went on and became Shirley Temple Wong. She's smart. Yeah, it, Shirley is still like a real name. Yeah, it is a real yeah. name. It worked out pretty well for you. That's a neat book. Yeah, she ends up meeting Jackie Robinson. It's, it's a neat oh. story. Uh, she, oh, I was not as lucky. I, didn't, I, didn't I never Michael met Michael Jackson. Jackson. I never met him, sadly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you did not get to meet Michael Jackson. So you, you came over here and you didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. You chose you chose to be happy yes. for a happy birthday. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Why did your mother choose Lily? Um, so her Chinese name, uh, one of the characters in her name means Lily. Oh, that's so, yeah. lovely. So she got really lucky. She okay. got lucky it didn't mean something like basketball or something, you know? Yeah. yeah well, I assume she'd just gone with a different one. I don't know. Just, I don't yeah. Know. So it's I a really pretty name. So I wish lovely. I had chosen something like Rose or something. I don't know. What's the, do you know the Chinese word for Lily? Um, um so it's Lian. Yeah. Lian? That's one of oh. the, yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. Even if she stuck to her Chinese name, it would have been easy to pronounce yeah, yeah. but it's still lily that's what so yeah. she's lily you're happy yeah. you come over here together so you haven't seen her in six months when you come over yeah okay well do you remember finding mom when you got home like when you or when you got home when you came to your new home do you remember meeting your mother coming over yeah i remember it was so funny because um she would send me pictures and send us letters and stuff and I remember when she was without me for six months uh, she was in graduate school by the way she came here to get her uh, mba this was like in the south and uh there was like her friend's daughter who was my age um was like in their social social circle and she like really loved my her friend's daughter because i guess she missed me and it was like almost like a really comforting to have like a young girl to be motherly towards and i was really jealous i was like i was like she ain't taking my place (laughs) so when i met her i was like really happy to not have to deal with that competition anymore. I'm like, okay, well, I'm your, I'm your main, I'm your main bitch now. Like, come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, I was really relieved to see her. I was like, oh, you, stop you, bonding with this other girl. You feared the competition. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm an only child, so I was like not used to sharing my mom. Where yeah. were you? Uh, where was this happening? Um, this was like in Tennessee. In Tennessee, so, like, so that's the, where your mom was the, going to school. Yeah, Southern Tennessee, deep so south. You flew into Southern Tennessee. Then. Yeah. Okay. From Beijing. From Beijing <laughs> yeah. to Southern. Wow, that yeah. must have been different. Very different. It was. Yeah, I have a I have a mouthful of things to say about growing up in the South as a non china or not English speaking atheist Chinese person. Where were you? <laughs> um, we were in Chattanooga, which Chattanooga, is okay. by the way, that's where Usher's from. So it's a legit. Town. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I spent plenty yeah. of time in Chattanooga. <laughs> oh oh you yeah, have. oh yeah. I'm from North Carolina. I, oh, I grew up in that awesome. part of the country, and uh, I know Chattanooga pretty well, actually. Oh right? okay. So, yeah, I uh, maybe we passed on the street one day. Maybe I've been there a few times, but um, <laughs> no. Uh, so what? Uh, let's talk about that. You say yeah. you have plenty to talk about. How long did you live in Chattanooga, Tennessee? I lived there for like three to four years. So okay. I I I went to uh, I think it was second through no first grade through fourth first grade through third grade there. Yeah, and that's where you learned three to speak years. English. Yes. So I'm I'm kind of shocked you don't have the drawl. 
I did actually for a while. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I can do a southern accent. I know how to do it. Oh, there yeah. it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't deliberately repress mine, but I've lived away for so long that it's kind of faded. But yeah. it, if I talk to somebody from back home, it comes back real quick. Yeah. But if you were uh, thrust back into that environment, you could it do does. it real It comes quick. out real fast. Yeah. Uh, so you, you grew up in Chattanooga. Um, yeah. I, and. Good golly. Uh, your mother's still going to school or is she starting yeah, a job? Yeah, she was. No, so she, so she, her career track was she wanted to be a college professor. So she started from grad school. Okay. So she, almost basically from ground zero. So she, she was in the process of getting her MBA and that's, we stayed there um, during that process. So she was in school. My dad was working and um, yeah, I was going to elementary school <laughs> in what, Chattanooga. What was it like? I mean, going from, going from uh, elementary school in Beijing. Mm-hmm to elementary school in Chattanooga. Okay, so I remember thinking this at the time. I was like, I was like, I think communist China's elementary school is a little less harsh than the South. I was like, is that weird? So like in China, they're very strict about your grades. You have to like have good posture, wear, you wear your school uniform, get good grades and like be polite to the teacher. And in the South, it was like very, well, in my school, maybe it's different now probably, but um, very like religious ah. and uh, very xenophobic at okay. the time. I was like the only, I think there was one other Asian kid in my entire school. Okay, how, for, how many kids do you think? Uh, it was like K through five. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, there were quite quite a large number of kids. And only one other Asian student. Yeah, there. yeah. Wow. That and was... he, he was born in the States, so he knew English. And I was very, I was like the outsider because I was new. I didn't know, I didn't have any friends and I didn't know any English. And yeah. Was it lonely? In the beginning, it was very lonely. It was not even lonely. I feel like it was like one step beyond lonely. It was like it was instead of just feeling like no one pays attention to you it's like you get a bunch of negative attention mm. right so it's like you're like ostracized okay. um yeah did you make friends i eventually did make friends yeah so um i think the thing about me is i don't i don't just like get bullied i'm like very sassy so in the beginning i always like fought back if anyone ever made fun of me or teased me for ah. my culture so i actually was able to find a lot of friends um i think like Maybe they were drawn to that like fire in me that I wasn't just this. When you say flower. fought back, do you mean physically? No, uh, no. Like I would like say something nasty back. Oh, and I'd okay. Get in so trouble. Just, just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was. I mean, I was. I was seven. Okay. What's yeah. the first American profanity you ever learned? Oh gosh. Uh, probably I, at the time it was oh my god. Okay. Which oh is, really? Which was like worse than the f word in, in the south. That place at that time. This yeah. is what about what time was this? If you don't mind. This, okay. This was like late 90s late mid 90s. to late 90s okay. yeah so it was um i remember like er, like the my teacher in third grade she was the wife of the judge yeah in in my town and the principal also very religious and i would always get sent to the principal's office and they would always threaten to spank me like they would take out this wooden paddle and like wave it in front of me and oh say like God. if i catch you saying the lord's name in vain again like you're getting spanked because i i learned english from watching tv right okay. so i i watch like nick jr yeah. but i also would watch movies like i watch action movies with my dad and um, the first American movie I ever saw in theaters was Scream, by the way. I was oh. like, yeah. Wow, you were seven? <laughs> yeah, I don't think like we really knew at the time of like the, the movie parental control ratings. Like we we're like, oh, let's just go see a movie. Like, because none of us spoke English except for my mom. Did it scare you? Um, no, it didn't because I didn't know what was going on. Like it was, it, like I didn't have enough um, metrics to measure like horror with yeah. at the time. I was just like, oh, this is weird. So, <laughs> <laughs> Did you like it? I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so to this day, I'm a huge horror movie buff. Like I love all horror movies. Oh, that's really yeah. They're funny. exciting for me. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I I know we've gone a, a, down a long tangent here. I, I oh, don't want to. Yeah. No, no. I'm glad. I don't want to get too far away from your mother. Yes. But I do want to ask you one other thing, and maybe I can loop this around to your mom and your mm-hmm. family. Um, you've mentioned uh, you've mentioned religion several times in the yes. last few minutes since your immigration. You talked about your atheism. You talked yeah. about the the moving into an area where there was suddenly this kind of permeating church state mix weird culture going on yes so that must have been very confusing for you from where you came from um how did that how did your family deal with that with people waving a paddle at you because you were saying what you said yeah how how did your mom and dad respond to that um i think they always encouraged me to not not be like the black sheep to try try just get along and uh, don't get in trouble and if someone tells me not to say something just don't say it like don't don't even bother with causing trouble for yourself is what they say. How did you feel about that? Um, I mean, I agreed, but you know, when you're, when you're young like that and you, you're like in the moment, like I feel like children are very honest with their emotions. And so if you're feeling stimulated some way and you 
you're provoked. There's nothing any adult can say to like ring in your head like, okay, no, I should calm down, be the bigger person, take the high road and ignore them. Like in the moment, you're just feeling very pissed off and you feel like it's unfair. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, I don't even know anything about any religion, period. Why am I getting bullied or harassed by like the staff of my school for something that, you know, is not kind of not my fault. Like I wasn't raised Christian because, you know, it's, it's, I'm on the other side of the ocean. Like, you know, so uh, yeah, I think they, they definitely tried to get me to be more like calm, follow the rules, and I, I just rebelled probably. <laughs> How did that work out? Um, I honestly, I didn't get in too much trouble. I think because like I was always, I was very studious and I got really good grades. Ah. Um, so they couldn't just peg me as like a bad student, you mm-hmm. know, and I would never like, I got in trouble for saying, uh, you know, the Lord's name in vain, but I never like fought anyone, um, you know, because my family, they're still a good family. They're very like, educated calm people you know i never like yelled at anyone or like caused physical violence and um, i got good grades and i turned in my homework Mm -hmm. so there's really nothing they could do besides scare me Mm -hmm. you know what about it for your mom and dad moving to an area with a with a smaller asian population an even smaller asian immigrant population what was it like for them yeah so i think my mom got lucky because in her school there were quite a few a lot a lot more um, than in my school of um, other Chinese and other Asian um, graduate students. So they were able to build a community oh. in their adult world. And um, yeah, actually one of my friends growing up, she was the daughter of one of my mom's uh, classmates. Mm-hmm. So I was able to have some friends outside of school as well from that tight-knit Asian now, community. Were they also Chinese? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's even prevalent in any city, even now. Like whenever you have a very small minority in uh, in a neighborhood, um, they find solace with like meeting with each other, you know? Because like you, after a while, like especially if you're just moved from a foreign place, you really kind of crave some someone who understands you, mm-hmm. who empathizes with you. So yeah, um, I think wherever we went, we were lucky enough to find a small community of people who are like-minded or came from the same background. So there, you did get to know uh, some other folks from China mm-hmm. uh, at that point, um, and then eventually ended up in California. How'd that happen? Oh, wow. I mean, there were many stops before California. Yeah. Um, yeah. You on account of your mom's career? Yes. So we, we followed her wherever her next step was. Uh, so my mom, by the way, is like the main breadwinner. She's like the okay. head of the family, which is another reason why she's my role model. Why don't, why don't you talk about that? Before okay. we go follow the journey, let's talk yeah. about that. Let's talk about your mom as head of the family. Yeah. Well, I mean, in America, like my dad, my dad majored in like Chinese literature, in college so in america you couldn't do anything with that degree and he was not he and i were not fluent in english she was so we followed her wherever she went and um she she later just like she flourished more in the states because she had she was more well equipped to do well here Mm -hmm. and um yeah eventually so from grad school all the way up until now she's a college professor we just we followed her and we would we would basically make adjustments to live wherever she needed to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she was in Tennessee, and then we moved to Kentucky to for her to do her PhD. Okay. And then eventually she found a teaching job uh, at, at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks. So you were in Fairbanks for a while? Yeah, Fairbanks for a while. Oh, my. Now, that now Fairbanks, that's not just Alaska. That's a, that's about as far north as you get before <laughs> they like, stop having cities. That's about central yeah. Alaska, right? Yeah, it's um, central Alaska. Yeah, so it's uh, not like the nice southern coast yeah, no yeah. ocean, just very cool. You, you get north of Fairbanks, and, and you're talking you're talking Barrow and places like that, tiny little towns. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. It's, it's you're Alaska. familiar with Alaska. It's, uh, not really. You've been I, everywhere. No, I've not been to Alaska. <laughs> Alaska's okay. that's a whole other can. But of you know, worms, Barrow. But, that's really yeah, impressive. But uh, that's a weird story too. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, Fairbanks is, is kind of the, the the northernmost of the main cities. Uh, yeah. So how long were you in Fairbanks? Um. I was there all throughout high school. Okay. So after that, I went to Seattle for mm-hmm. college, and then I moved to California. And then so, you because yeah, you have many really stops. been everywhere. Well, your mom did her PhD in Kentucky. You said was she Lexington, Louisville? Where was Lexington. she? Lexington. Okay. Wow, um, you know Kentucky. Too. I lived in Kentucky. Um, oh, oh my gosh, we have like the same. We've life. been around a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're like soulmates. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to compare notes later on. Yeah. But um, so your mother, what's her PhD in? Uh, marketing. Marketing. Okay. Yeah. And what does she do now? She teaches marketing. She's a professor at uh, the university in Alaska. Yeah, she's still in Alaska then? Yeah, yeah. So when you went to college down in Seattle, mm-hmm. she stayed in Alaska and taught. 
And yeah. when you moved to, ah, okay, so now mom's really, really far away. Yeah, she's really far. Um, oh. But to be fair, it, Alaska's far from everywhere. <laughs> That's a very good point. Was Not she, much difference between here and Seattle <laughs> to Alaska. Was it hard for your mother when you decided to leave Alaska to go to school? Um, I think it it is hard the way it'd be hard for any parent, but I don't mm -hmm. think she ever expected me to stay in Alaska. Yeah. I think she knew I wanted to GTFO as soon as mm -hmm. I could. So you didn't um, care didn't care for that, that Fairbanks nightlife? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Fairbanks is a great place if mm -hmm. you're into like nature and peace and quiet. And even then I think it, it wears off, like it has a shelf life because it's such a small town. It's also very conservative. Mm -hmm. So it was like we went from conservative south to conservative north. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to go out and experience like one of the American cities, which was kind of what was sold to me when I first moved here. Okay. So, and, yeah. and so you finally did go to Seattle where you mm -hmm. entered a place where the modes of thought may be a little different than what you're used to very broadly different. encountering in Tennessee, Kentucky, Alaska. Yeah. Um, so when you got to Seattle, different way of thinking. I, I want to go back. Your mother's a college professor, mm -hmm. um, uh, the kind of person who decided midway through a what seemed a successful career mm -hmm. that for the sake of bettering her life and her child, child's life, mm -hmm. she was going to make a radical change Yes, uh, and undergo a tremendous life-altering adventure for all three of you. Mm -hmm. So when it came to finally finding her place in a small town in Alaska... Did she find that fulfilling? Was that uh, did did it reach the end of the road in a place that she was happy? Um, I think so. I think so. Ever since she was young, when she was little, and they asked what what's your dream career, you know, when yeah. they ask little kids that, she says you want to be a teacher. So yeah. in some way, she got that gratification. And uh, as much as she loves like shopping and you know cool restaurants, I don't think like I think the city stresses her out. Ah. So she's able to find a lot of peace there. And actually, I'm really glad that she is in a very peaceful, safe, small town environment because she and I are both like very paranoid. We like we watch CSI and Law and Order. And <laughs> I don't know if she'd be able to cut it in San Francisco. You know, like <laughs> so she prefers. To, does she love nature? She actually didn't that much. She, I mean, it's not like she hated it, but it was never like a hobby of hers to go fishing or hiking. But um, yeah, I think right now she really loves, she loves gardening. She picked up gardening when she went and she has like, you know, like in Alaska, land is very cheap. Yeah. I mean, I mean, all real estate is cheaper there. Um, so she has like a big yard. She has all these plants, bird feeders. And yeah, I think, I think it's really good. So for she's her. a gardener. Yeah, she's a gardener. <laughs> Flowers, vegetables, everything. Everything. Okay. Um, what's funny about Alaska, because it's so north, um, in the summer, the days are really long. Right. And so you get pretty much 24 hours of daylight. And maybe a few of those hours are like, they look like sunset mm -hmm. type of light. But it's light all around. So in the summer, the vegetables grow huge. Oh. So she grow these like giant mutant zucchinis that are like the size <laughs> of cats. And, like, yeah. So she had a great time. Like they, the harvest is very fast, very like instant gratification for any, any vegetable fans out there. You should <laughs> try growing something in Alaska. Is she an artist? Uh, she is not. What was it like for her seeing you become one? How did that happen? Oh, that's a really interesting story too. Um, I So I've done art since I was little. Ever since I could remember, I would draw like characters from uh, Beijing opera or like those Ooh. Chinese soap operas where they're dressed in like the ancient costumes. I was really like seduced by the colors and the ornateness. Um, so I would do that as since I was like three to five, like very young. And then um, growing up, I've always done it as a hobby. I don't, I don't think I ever went a few days without doing art. Um, ever since I was a kid and yeah it was my dream to be an artist I think when I was young I said I wanted to work for Disney mm -hmm. to be an artist at Disney I didn't even know what artist at Disney means like but just I just knew you wanted to draw things for Disney yeah I knew it was a creative job and I love Disney films uh, with my dad's very first paycheck he bought me Snow White and the Seven Dwarves on Aww. VHS I, I was like a huge I was obsessed so then when I was 17 and it was time to apply for college I was like oh I'm gonna apply to art school or like apply to schools as an art major and then my parents were like they sat me down they're like okay honestly we're supportive of you being artistic but like you should really think about your life now like now it's time to be an adult <laughs> and you should probably get a career somewhere that can you know get you a job or have a good chance of getting you a job and you know think pragmatically so they were supportive of my passion but I, they, they were very careful when it came time to pick like an actual college program 
So um, I ended up majoring in computer science. So you did listen to them. Okay. So yeah. I, I mean, I made a compromise, right? So at the time, they were like, oh, you should major in like business, like your mom, or maybe like law. And I mean, I had never been interested in anything like that. And I thought computers, I had always, I loved coding, well, coding with like HTML, um, okay. making little websites. And I thought it Scripting, could be- Scripting, markup, things like that. Yeah. Oh, not even that fancy. Okay. I was like, how do I make my scroll bar pretty? Like, it was okay. very basic. Um, but I thought it could be a good- tunnel into computer animation and I, I thought ah. I could still get to my dream job at Disney doing computer animation so okay. I chose computer science with that in mind like oh maybe I could do animation okay yeah. and how did that work out so I actually did I took a year-long animation capstone which is like a year long of courses that are focused on one particular like niche and I chose computer animation like I was lucky my school offered that and <laughs> by the time the year ended I was like I do not want to do animation what drove you away from animation it was not as like creative as I thought it was very technical mm. um, I mean they're creative it's definitely more creative in my opinion than like coding and operating system for example but it was just it was very very hard and uh a I don't, different kind of creativity it was yeah. yeah it was a lot of technical creativity like how can i solve this technical issue or mm. um a lot of it was like you would put in so many hours of work for like a few seconds of animation and it was just like tweaking little things to get a character to look lifelike or get their movements to tell a story and it just didn't end up being what i thought i think like because I grew up like drawing pictures, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and painting with colors. Like it wasn't the same type of gratification. So the return was very self-evident in, in uh, traditional medium visual art, whereupon in animation, hours of investment to see something render and maybe not turn out the way yeah, you Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, yeah, I think like I thought I could get, like I was like, oh, I know I can't, I can't be a painter. I can't make money selling paintings. So I'll get as close as I can doing something artsy, something relatively creative. So but it wasn't. Yeah, Did you ever talk to your mom about this when you were going through it? Or um, was it difficult? Uh, not really. I think once I was in the program, I was pretty set on whatever career paths that, you know, the other computer science majors were, were on. Like, I was, I was very, like, convinced that I was just going to be a, working in tech and doing art as a hobby. Because, like, once I got into the program, um, so even though I, now I'm not doing tech anymore, like I have a lot of respect for people who do. And uh, the, type of, the type of intelligence it takes to mm -hmm. succeed and excel in like programming is something I admire so much. Mm -hmm. And it's, I honestly think like engineers are a very special breed of people. Like just, it's the, the type of like sequential thinking, it's, yeah. it's very, very unique. It's not just like people skills or learning how to manage a project, you know? So I, I was, in that world, I actually really wanted to try my best and, and find a career in tech. Um, when, I, when I stopped doing animation, when I kind of shot that dream down, I was like, well, I should still work for some tech company. Like, I'm halfway through my major. I work so hard. I've been in a basement for two years. <laughs> like, I should really try to um, get a career yeah. in my major. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was never pl planning on being like, okay, after I graduate, I'm so just So is that why you came to San Francisco? Because that's where programming and coding jobs were? Yeah, I mean, I, I worked in Seattle for a bit and then I moved to San Francisco uh, because everyone was, everybody was moving to San Francisco. Okay. In, my, in my social circle, everyone in their mid-20s was like, okay, I'm gonna like drop everything and move to San Francisco and try the startup thing. That okay. was like the, the trend. And so you followed that? I followed that, yeah. And yet here we sit in a Bay, Bay Area loft a fabulous studio surrounded by <laughs> oils and watercolors and whatever else, yeah. beautiful things. Thank you. <laughs> and you are not a software nope. engineer. Nope. What happened? Well, um, I, I, I quit. <laughs> so here's what happened. Um, I, okay, I was never that good to be a software engineer. If any of my friends are watching who like went to school with me, you'll know this. Like I was terrible at programming. Um, it was just not, was, I didn't have that natural genius that I so wanted. So I actually ended up being a product manager, okay. which is basically like you still work with technical, you work with engineers and you work with technical projects, but you're more like the overseer. You're more the planner mm -hmm. for the project. So spreadsheets, research, keeping people emails, on schedule, meetings, yep, exactly. yeah, things like that, yep. presentations, you, mm -hmm. you know, the drift. Um, yeah. So I, um, I really didn't like that either. Again, like I thought it was like a cool way for me to work in tech, but still be relatively creative, like have some sort of creative authority in, in some way, but it wasn't. It was just like I was everybody's assistant. Like yeah. <laughs> I was assistant to like all the different teams. It's a hard job. I have several good friends who do it. Some of whom may be watching this right now. Yeah. Hi, Ginger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a thankless job. It's a very hard job. And yeah. I think PMs deserve a little bit more 
uh, gratitude because yeah it's like when things go right you know you don't really get the congrats but when things go wrong you get all the blame um, but yeah I, I just also wasn't naturally cut out for it I think I have a very awkward personality I'm like sometimes very brutally honest I don't know how to like put on that hat of you like you seem remarkably like like amicable oh I thank you anything horrible in this <laughs> interview so far well, you're 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 one of the lucky people who have or not not lucky but like for me luckily for me you're one of the people who happen to get along with me you know I think oh, okay. I'm like the type of person where some people like me and some people hate me but I can't I don't know how to like mold myself to make everybody like me okay which is something you as a as a leader of a project or of teams you have to kind of be okay. so i always struggled with that and um yeah i was really unhappy doing doing that so you quit yeah so i quit and it was it was i think timing works out so great because by the time i quit i'd been working for three years i had saved up some money so that i knew if i wanted to switch careers i had a little bit of runway you know mm -hmm. i wasn't quitting with nothing so that kind of gave me that safety net yeah and also during that time since moving to san francisco which by the way has an amazing art scene mm -hmm. um, especially for the type of art i like to do um i i had just through friends of friends met this wonderful girl named shirley hi shirley uh she um she was curating a show for a tiny gallery in the Mission District, and she yeah. asked me to join just because, like, we were Facebook friends. She's like, oh, you do art. Like, you should join. And so in that show, I sold a piece, and I was like, that was the first time in my life that anyone's ever bought artwork from me that wasn't, like, a family portrait or, like, something for them. It was, like, something I created individually, and then yeah. they, they liked it. So that, like, that rush, that high, like, stuck with me. And uh, I did another show with her a few months later, and, like, I sold some pieces there, too. And I was just like, whoa. I was like, okay. that this is a thing? Like, you're just like, holy cow, people pay money for art? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was... <laughs> so let's get back to mom. So your mother grows up in China, mm -hmm. makes a successful career there. Mm -hmm changes careers comes over here brings you along right. you travel all over this country you go off to do what your parents encouraged you to do mm -hmm. you quit mm -hmm. when did you tell them you quit when did you Ooh. tell your mom about <laughs> quitting do you remember that yeah i remember well when i was thinking about quitting when i was contemplating it i definitely let them know i wasn't like hey surprise i'm quitting um i was like hey i'm really unhappy here. i'm thinking maybe of like quitting and trying the art thing you know like my dream since i was a kid and uh How did yeah, they mom? <laughs> she was not happy about it at first she was like are you crazy like you like we put you through college you work so hard and you like have this resume now you actually have like a good relatively strong resume you can find just find another job just find another company like like, yeah. quit your current company find another job find another type of company i'm like i'm like no i don't know if i'd be happy like just finding another company i think it's all going to be the same i've worked in a big company worked in a small company like i want to just try this art thing and i'm like i'm too uh, i'm at this point where i'm young enough where i don't have like a family to take care of i don't have any obligations and it's like it's now or never like now yeah. is the time to take that risk because no one else is is counting on me how old you know? were you when you made that decision i was let's see 24 24 when you decided to do that yeah so okay. jumping forward now you've had a successful career uh this is working out really well oh, thank um, you how does your mom feel about it now she loves it now now yeah? she's yeah she's super proud of me now and she's always like sharing my artwork on her social media pages and uh she like she asked me to send prints over she like hangs them up on on her walls and uh even though she sometimes is frightened by them. She's like, send me the less creepy ones. Um, but yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So tell me about the, that shift. Do you remember a moment where it went from, we're really scared for you, you might be screwing your life up, to, wow, I'm so proud of you, this worked out really... Do you Did that conversation ever happen? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I tell mean... Tell us about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. She... So in the beginning, I wasn't doing that well. Like, I... Um, I was earning, I mean, I was running just on savings pretty much. I was barely earning any money at all. Like not like, not enough to pay even a fraction of the living costs in the Bay Area. I was just like whatever little thing I could sell. I was really happy. I was like, oh yeah, I sold one print this month. Um, and, and it was, I wouldn't say it was stagnant, but it grew very slowly for like the first year. And my mom was very worried. She'd always be like, do you need me to send some money? Or like, do you want to move back home? And I'm like, no, no, mom, like, I can do this on my own. I made sure to always like support myself. I, I actually was really good at budgeting. I budgeted my, I'm like, okay, I have like three years left before I run out of money. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just wanted to prove to her that she doesn't need to like have to spend extra or do extra just to support my decision because um, I had been I had been financially independent from my family for several years and I didn't want to like 
make them pay for me again. It's almost like I was ashamed. I was like, no, you don't have to do that. So, but then uh, I think around like the year and a half-ish mark of being a full-time artist, uh, I started to see real growth in like social media and in my mm -hmm. monthly income. Um, after finding out different ways to earn money like YouTube and uh, Patreon, I used to do primarily my stuff on Instagram, which ah. they don't, Instagram is great. It's, it's a really great platform for artists, but you don't get paid per view on Instagram. Yeah. And not all of your followers are going to want to buy stuff from hard you. Hard to directly monetize. Yeah, very, very hard. So um, once I started using other platforms, it kind of got the ball rolling and Instagram also picked up. And when she saw that I had grown in follower count, like she she saw that as a, a good sign. So when I reached, I don't know, like 50,000 followers, she's like, whoa, she's like, hey, like, you're actually making an, a footprint like in this industry kind mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, she's like, oh, even though 50,000 in the Instagram scale is like nothing. But um, to us at, at the time, I was like, yeah, like maybe something's happening. So she slowly started to. So she was following your career this whole time. She was. Yeah. She, she'd call me and be like, you need to answer this comment. Someone asked you a question. You didn't answer. She'd like read all my comments. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. She's super cute. What drives you crazy about your mom? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she changes her mind a lot. Yeah. How so? She, um, I don't know. She's very like whimsical. I think so. Like I don't know if we're if we're about to go out. Uh, like when she visited me in San Francisco, I had a whole day planned, and uh, she'll be like, "Oh yeah, let's go here. Oh, actually, I don't want to go here. Like, hey, let's get lunch first. Mm, actually, I want to take a nap first. And then like she, but then because she changes her mind a lot, you can also change her mind for her. And so she's <laughs> she's in that way kind of flexible, you know, like. <laughs> Yeah. She doesn't have to stick to any solid plan. Um, she's kind of like in the moment. She's like, okay, I'm tired. I'm going to go home, even if we had something planned. But then if she's, yeah, if she's in the moment, you're like, okay, well, let's go to eat like Ethiopian food instead of Chinese food. She's like, she's pretty cool about that. How's mom with boyfriends? Uh, <laughs> she's very funny. She actually let me date in high school, oh. which um, usually strict Chinese moms don't. Um, she let me date in high oh, school. Oh, is, is, that, is that uncommon? I didn't, didn't realize Yeah, that. it's not very common. I did yeah. not know that. I, I, I don't know a lot about strict Chinese moms. So <laughs> yeah. She, uh, but she's very clever about it. She's like, well, I knew that you and your boyfriend are not compatible, so I just, I wanted you to like figure it out for yourself instead of me telling you because then like, I guess she didn't want me going to college not knowing how to date. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was like, I was, yeah, my first boyfriend, I broke up after like a month and mm -hmm. she was like, she, the whole time she knew, she's like, I knew you guys would break up. I just, yeah. Like, I just wanted to let you make the mistake on your, on your own with like, of course, like my, my overseeing it. So yeah, she's very smart about that. Uh, she, she's okay with me dating. She's actually more open, I think, than a lot of my friends, moms. Oh. Uh, a lot of, a lot of my Chinese girlfriends, like their parents don't like it if they date people of other from other nationalities or oh. anything like that. So people keep it a secret a lot from their mom. But I've always been very open with her. So, um, yeah, she... So your mother appreciates honesty. She does, I think, yeah. I think she'd rather know and be, like, shocked by my de my decision than not know, you know? <laughs> do, you, um, do you have any idea? You're, you're a very young person. Do you have mm -hmm. any idea if you ever want to be a parent? I think eventually, yeah. Um... I, I'm not going to rule it out right now. I'm like very agnostic on that front too. Like just like I am in most issues. <laughs> I think like right now I don't have a desire to have kids in the foreseeable future. But I also know that as I age and, and grow and mature, I might have different goals and different needs in life. Just like how when I was 18, I didn't have a need to do certain things that I'm doing mm -hmm. now. You know? So yeah, I think pr pretty good possibility I'll be a parent. So if that happens, what about your mother will make you a better mother? Oh, I think like, I don't even know if she realized this, but she was a really good role model. Like not even in terms of her parenting skills. I mean, she's a very nurturing mom, but just the kind of person she was really shaped the kind of person I wanted to be. Um, like it was, it was extremely, I think, rare and really like fortunate that I got to grow up in a household where the woman was the main breadwinner, mm -hmm. which like in America, even to this day is not that common. Mm -hmm. And in China definitely wasn't common. And it kind of made me, it, it gave me this sense of like, you don't have to follow any rules or fit any molds. Like you can, you can create your own path mm -hmm. and you don't have to live by what people expect of you, you know? And so it, it was really funny that in the beginning when she was afraid for my art career, I was like, but I'm just doing what you did, mom. Like mm -hmm. I took a risk like you. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think she instilled with me that sense of courage, um, that's cool. So yeah, I think if I were to have a child, I would not only try to parent them, but also like make sure I'm the type of person that they could look up to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's lovely. Uh, mm -hmm. 
your kid tells you calls you after they've graduated with their software engineering degree and tells you they're <laughs> going to be a dancer in New York, um, uh, what's what's going to be the first thought in your head? Go for it, or are you sure? I think I think having been, having been through that myself, yeah. I would be like, well, you know, it's going to be tough, right? Like, I'm you have to be prepared. You're probably not going to earn much money, or you probably have to like live off of savings or clip coupons or you know buy food from like the Asian grocery store. Like, I'll have to I'll definitely tell them what to expect, but I would never discourage them because I know like how how amazing it is to do something that makes you happy. It's it's priceless. So yeah, I would I would be encouraging. So your mom's helpful. life's been a series of adventures. You've been along for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. What's your mom's next great adventure? Ooh, I don't know. Um, she's she's doing like a rental home business right now that she loves. Oh. So maybe that. Uh, yeah. She, so Alaska is a great destination for tourists. So she's starting to um, make some vacation homes and renting it out to tourists. And she loves it. So I think I think that could be a pretty big thing. That's really cool. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's uh, that'll probably wrap up this part of the interview. Then thank you so okay, much for, yeah. uh, for talking about your mother and and this incredible story of yeah. I, I I really I had no idea we were going to go down this track. I didn't realize that you'd emigrated to the United States. Yeah. I, I thank you for sharing all this. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for asking me. So before we transition into the next part of the show, I want to thank our uh, Patreon producers. Uh, Xavier Saint-Amand Tremblay and Robert Nieder, whose generous support makes the show possible. And also all of you who give on Patreon, uh, because it helps a lot at patreon.com slash Jared Petty. Also the YouTube subscribers, the various members of the Pockets Full Soup Facebook group, at all, etc. Everybody who's watching, listening, uh, leaving a rating on iTunes, five stars is always the correct rating. Uh, and uh, written reviews help even more. Uh, you know, we have this part of every show. You know why? Because it really helps. So thank you guys <laughs> so much. Ladies, gentlemen, uh, your patronage matters and let's me keep doing this thing i really enjoy so thank you uh now are you ready for instant noodles yes this is our lightning round in pockets full of soup i didn't even prepare so i'll give very honest answers dun 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 (laughs) all right this is a this is a user submitted question okay uh what is best sandwich oh oh blt blt Mm -hmm. straight blt yes okay uh mayo (laughs) or no mayo Mayo. Uh, toasted or? Toasted. Or toasted. <laughs> White wheat, rye? Wheat. Okay, so toasted wheat with mayo, bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Yes. We have never gotten the same answer to this question twice. Uh, so excellent. Nice. Still still okay. on that streak. I'm very excited <laughs> about it. Um, what's the first word that comes to your head when you hear the sound of your own voice? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like, That's Ew. the answer. All right. <laughs> what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Plain vanilla. Plain vanilla. Not bean, not like vanilla bean, just plain vanilla from, I think, Tillamook. Like, just plain vanilla. Just straight vanilla mm-hmm. right there. Now, do you like, like, do you like, like, the like the nice fancy vanilla or do you like, like, McDonald's vanilla? You or? McDonald's vanilla, yeah. Okay. Just plainer straight, the better. Uh, the plainer the better. It used to be, like, Rocky Road or something crazy, but lately, I've simply, like, I just love plain, plain chips, plain vanilla, plain okay. everything. Just on a plain cake. Yeah. All right. Just, <laughs> plain cake, yeah. Plain, oh, plain cake. Yeah. Okay, plain cake. Just everything plain. All things plain. No sugar in the cake. Yes. Just eat it straight up. What's your favorite word? <laughs> My favorite word? Yeah. Probably like the F word. I yeah? cuss a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so that's your favorite word. Yeah. You can All use right. it. You can put it in between words. You can say it to be happy. You can say it to be mad. Say it to be sad. It's extraordinarily versatile. It's a very versatile word. Yeah. Very it's, expressive. It's a popular choice. Yeah. Uh, we get that one a lot. Yeah. Actually. yeah it's a, but it is very versatile. Do you like it compounded or do you prefer it on its own? I actually like it like the F F F U U U U U like almost like the Reddit subreddit like okay. the F seven U twelve you're like fa yeah I don't even need to say the whole thing you're just like just yeah. part I, of it it's enough it's a great outlet yeah All right, it's a marvelous word <laughs> uh, let's see uh, if you could travel through time and meet any one person living or dead who would it be and uh, why Michael Jackson the, oh there we go <laughs> if you finally met Michael Jackson what would you want to talk to Michael Jackson about oh my gosh I don't know I'd probably like soil myself I don't even know what I'd say to him. Uh, I'd probably like shake his hand and just tell him that he's perfect the way he is and he doesn't need to worry about what anything anyone says and that yeah like he's he has made the life of some kid in communist China so much better hmm. in That's the yeah so through thick and thin you were made a fan the whole time yeah to this day to huge this fan day. diehard Big fan, fan of Michael yeah. Jackson what's the best Michael Jackson song <gasps> Oh my god, there's so many. Okay, I really like Earth Song from his history album. Earth Song? Yeah. You may be the only person on Earth whose favorite Michael Jackson song is Earth Song, but that's a that's 
That's a bold move, Cotton. Right there. All right. Now, why your song? Why your song? Okay. So, I mean, I love all the hits. But, you know, since I'm a diehard Michael Jackson fan, I know all of his songs, all the albums. Earth Song, the chorus sounds like he's crying. And, the, okay, so for those of you who haven't heard it, it's like a song basically about, like, what have we done to the world? Like, we've, like, destroyed the earth with, like, pollution and war. And it's, it's kind of almost like a, a requiem for, like, the earth. And it's just one of the most genuinely beautiful and sad. And, like, it's like a sobbing. Like, the chorus, he sounds like he's sobbing for... Um, just how how much we've destroyed the earth. And I just love that that passion in the song. I guess. Thank you for that. Yeah. If you could pick a voice to narrate your life, who would it be? Whose <laughs> voice narrates? Squidward tentacles. <laughs> That's a really great pick. <laughs> That's marvelous. I mean, how could you have a bad day with Squidward tentacles <laughs> narrating your life? And then she made a sandwich. Uh, who was your first kiss? Ooh, ew. Um, this guy I didn't even like. In this high guy you didn't even like yeah, in high school? Yeah, he was gross. Yeah. How was the kiss? It's terrible. I think he kissed like my nose, like right here. Oh, like he missed he missed your mouth? Yeah. He I didn't want to kiss him. He like Oh he forced kissed me. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well how, how about this? What was your first kiss you, you actually wanted to happen? Uh <laughs> a long time later, after I've been kissed many times. Okay. And uh, how was that one? Was it okay? It's good. It was okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of these first kiss stories not, are amazing. Yeah. Good kissers are rare. It's not a common thing. But your yeah. first kiss was a guy that's like, Mwah. yeah, just, Mwah. just like high school, you have know, stupid kids. Oh, yeah. man. Well, that's no fun. <laughs> no good there at all. What's the, great, yeah. <laughs> what's the greatest song written in the last 100 years? Earth song? <laughs> <laughs> Is that your all time favorite song? It's one of my favorites. Okay, yeah. but honestly, I really okay. If you say written, because I feel like a lot of it is is has to do with the the lyrics. I'm a huge Le Leonard Cohen fan. Oh, so I really like "Dance Me to the End of Love" by Leonard Cohen. "Dance Me to the End of Love" mm -hmm. by Leonard Cohen. That's probably the most beautiful, well written song I could think of. That's a really neat pick. I yeah, like that one. I love that um, song. So, "Dance Me to the If uh, you could pick a soundtrack to play whenever you walked into a room, uh, what would your soundtrack be? I think it would be the love soundtrack from the Cirque du Soleil show for the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles love? Oh yes, my gosh. Yes, the Beatles love. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. That's rad. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you score <laughs> points with me right there. Um, <laughs> Huge Beatles fans too. Huge Beatles fan too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the most terrifying creature in the natural world? <gasps> humans. Humans. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're the second one to pick that. Yeah. All right. Well, what makes humans so terrifying? I think um, humans... Especially this generation of humans, not this generation, but like modern day humans, I think we have stopped experiencing the world. Like we are living in like this social, not just social media, but like in, in our devices almost. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy how like little that, it's crazy how little like stimulation we get from the actual natural world. And I feel like to be a part of this earth, to be like a member of um, the animal kingdom, like Every other animal knows at least how to experience the world. And I feel like we've forgotten how to experience the world. So Can I think that that's kind of scary. That's very unnatural. Can that be changed? I think so. I thought I thought Pokemon Go was a really good, uh, it was a glimmer of hope. I was like, oh my God, people are like on their devices, but they're going out and exploring the world. And meeting people and seeing <laughs> and things. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I wrote a, a little thing for IGN about Pokemon Go when that happened. And um, because it made me care about Pokemon, which is something I'd never ever cared anything about before but it was that element of it i i could not think of another time in my life where a video game made people go out and meet other people in real life and the fact that everybody you know yeah. the fact that the squirtle i saw was the squirtle you saw when yeah. you were standing in a different place and we were both experiencing that same reality that was exactly that was extraordinary um and i think even though the game is busted as all i still <laughs> love it for that batteries yeah. suck too yeah, yeah. Oh, it's awful at batteries have you seen the big pokeballs you can buy no, uh, I saw this phone case you can buy that makes you have the perfect swipe to catch oh, all the Pokemon. I've seen those, yeah. <laughs> no, they're selling, uh, they're selling giant uh, USB batteries that are shaped like Pokeballs. Uh, oh, so you to, plug your phone oh into God. it and carry it around and <laughs> they don't run out of power because it's, yeah. it's such a battery drain. But, <laughs> so how's your Pokemon Go collection? I do not have any i had caught maybe like two okay so i just love the concept and i like i'm not i myself am not am not immune from the plight of human beings i'm not like excluding myself or saying i'm any better but yeah like i myself fall victim to that like living in a cyber world mm -hmm. so that's kind of why also it terrifies me it's a personal thing too like the cyber world you're watching yes, or listening exactly. to this on right now <laughs>
Or on that, patreon.com slash Jared. Yeah. Follow me on all my social media handles. <laughs> but no, it is. I mean, it is part of it. But it, there, a powerful dichotomy exists there. It's it's difficult to escape from. When I, up until I moved back to the States in 2011, I didn't carry a cell phone. Um, yeah. I, I just refused to um, because it was, I was being, being frustrated by a lot of this. And I reached a point where career-wise it was carry one or don't have a job. Yeah, and exactly. You're tied hard, to it. Yeah, You're, it was a very hard thing. And you know, like, I think like back many decades ago, people were like, oh, turns out tobacco's bad for you. We didn't know that. Ha ha. Like, we didn't know that smoking was like fatal until people had been smoking for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like internet addiction is going to be like this, like decades into the future, people are going to be like, hey, actually, being online so much is actually really bad for you. Well, we, we can see ways it's bad already. The very fact that it allows us to be controlled so easily. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that we can choose our own version of reality. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, if I want to, I can find one tunnel vision to support a universe that I want to exist. And I can find enough sources out there to agree yes. with me that I never have to listen to anyone else. Exactly. You can always find people who agree with you, even if your viewpoint is like really off. Yeah. yeah. And, and forcing that more <laughs> holistic lifestyle. Well, anyway. Anyways, okay. This He's is us. This noodle around. <laughs> Wherever it is. No, no, it's good. This is, I love these kinds of tangents. Yeah. It's good. I, um, uh, cake or pie? Cake. Cake. Mm -hmm. uh, why cake? <laughs> plain white cake plain white cake you can go back to that plain thing okay. plain white frosting all right so plain white cake plain vanilla is there anything that you just feel what in life what what is your indulgence what's your hedonistic like indulgence then what, what's something where actually you... yeah the cake thing i change it it's carrot cake oh yeah oh okay but like the really nice nicely made artisan kind with like chunks of carrot and like chunks of raisin okay and like, the mm. and the frosting is like basically a cheesecake <laughs> like, i like the when the frosting is a cheesecake yeah is, when you can just scrape all the frosting and make a cheesecake out of it i love it <laughs> what's uh what's the most uh what's the most wonderful piece of art you've ever created Ooh, that's tough. I think I always end up liking recent pieces because I feel like they have the the skill skill wise. I've improved more than the older pieces, but yeah, I really like. Can I? Can I? Of course. Yeah, that's okay. I actually really like this one. This one yeah, here. Bring it up. That's your favorite. I don't know if it's like m the most amazing piece of art created in terms of like time or whatever, because it's small, but it's my it's my favorite. Yeah. I love the ship. That's oh, lovely. You. Oh my goodness! Why? Why the sailing vessel? Um, I think I I just wanted to give a, a size reference to how big the the woman was or mm -hmm. the the goddess is. Okay. Um, yeah. So having a little ship. Um, I also kind of I wanted to evoke a feeling of like kind of like an ancient like Norse myth or something like that with okay. this, like some some like benevolent sea goddess who uh, watches over the sailors as they. You know, head out to so see. So she's benevolent. She's not about to eat them or anything. She's not going to eat them. Okay. Right. She, looks, she looks pretty chill. I was yeah, thinking. She's like, so. she's like, I'm going to just give you a little like, like, I'm just going to like give you a little wind, set you off on your way. You What's know? this one called? This is called Nocturne. Nocturne. Yeah. Right. Thank you for showing yeah. that off. Thank and you. Uh, final question. I always end up with this one. Uh, What's one question you want to ask me? Oh, okay. question you got for me? Um, I actually wanted to ask you more about your time in Chattanooga. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been through Chattanooga a few <laughs> times. Um, so I grew up in North Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, and I spent a lot of time in Kentucky, but I've come to Chattanooga at several phases of life. Uh -huh. um, I was through there as a kid when I was living in North Carolina, and I went camping down uh -huh. near that area. Uh, then I went uh, camping I went camping around Chickamauga up mm -hmm. at the uh, battlefield in Georgia mm -hmm. and then down to Lookout Mountain and that oh, yeah, Lookout Mountain. yeah exactly so my first time through there was on a long extended camping trip also I I'm a gigantic nerd and I'm an American Civil War buff there was a <gasps> yeah you know the siege of Chattanooga was fought there so I went and did the yes. whole battlefield thing mm -hmm. and did that there but then I used to travel through there a lot because I had family in Alabama uh, and I would go back and forth through there a great deal on that and just on trips through the mountains there in that part of the country growing up. And then when I got back to the States, I got a job traveling throughout the Southeast uh, repairing 911 centers for oh, a while. Okay. I was a network administrator. And a lot of my trips took me through Chattanooga there. And if I had extra time, I would just stop. I would stop and do all kinds of weird things. I'd stop at the battlefields. I'd stop at, at and go shopping. I had a thing for uh, arcade machines for a while. like okay. the, So I, there was a great arcade machine depot in Chattanooga. I would stop there. So I, I gosh, I've probably been to Chattanooga. I can't even count the times. Yeah. And, it's, and it's been over the course of like decades that nice. I keep going Have back. you seen it? I, I guess I want to ask like, is it 
better now? Like, is it <laughs> the last time <laughs> I was in Chattanooga? I, I can't speak to uh, I can't speak to that part of the culture. Mm-hmm. It was it's an economically depressed part of the country yeah, now yeah. more than it was when you were there even. Yeah. And so I don't know. Um, I I don't think I don't I can't speak as an expert to the state of right. industry in Chattanooga. But when I was there, it had taken a pummeling. Uh, oh, and uh, so yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I've always wanted to go back and visit and kind of check up on it. You should go. Yeah. You should go back. <laughs> should. Chattanooga fans, let us know. Yeah. How are things in Chattanooga yeah. right now? Um, it was my first home. So yeah. The face of the American Southeast is changing a lot. And it was, the, you know, when I, um, you were talking about when you were there only having one other uh, student from Asia in your, or and this was an Asian American student that had grown up in, in the States. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a town in, in a small town in North Carolina, but we had a huge population of Hmong people that had mm-hmm. uh, uh, immigrated over after Vietnam there, mm-hmm. uh, even in this little southern town and a large Hispanic population that's grown even since. The, the, the South is diversifying quite a bit oh, as, as people move out and the Things are things are definitely getting a little more uh, okay. uh, a little more interesting okay. community wise, and I'm happy for that. That's uh, good to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's it's changed in, in a lot of ways. Um, but thanks for asking. That's how. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I know Chattanooga. Is. I grew up not too far away. I had family not far away. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go see Civil War stuff. I liked arcade machines, and I traveled there for work a lot. Okay, so awesome. There's the answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So thank you for asking, and uh, thank you guys for watching, listening at all, etc. Until next time, this is Pockets Full of Soup. Once again, happy D artist. Yes. And what are all the magical places people can find you? Oh my gosh, you can find me anywhere. Instagram, YouTube, Patreon. All my handles are Happy D Artist, all uh, one word. And if you want to check out my website, it's happyd-artist.com. All right. Yes. And for everybody who uh, who uh, has a mother who loves you and who you love, uh, say hi to him today, if you will. Uh, until next time, uh, any mail at mail at pocketsfullofsoup.com. And bye-bye. Bye.